Guys, welcome back to the Physique Factory podcast. And today, me and Connor are going to have a chat about a few things exercise mechanic wise. So, starting off with um, some videos that we've seen. Oh, not video. I was, it was on a podcast that triggered it. And then there's some videos that old school bodybuilders seem to post. So, where do you want to start with it? Um, I suppose where I want to start with is like uh, this kind of came about because I suppose because the last podcast done really well. So thank you to everyone that listened to that. We were um, we were kind of out of the game for a while, weren't we? We hadn't done it for a wee while and then we popped one up and then there was like a lot of downloads, like the most downloads we've had in one day. So thank you to you guys, obviously. Um, but yeah, um, so I was, I was listening to another podcast this morning and we've decided we're, we're going to be professional about this. We're not going to name them. Um, and yeah, basically, some of the stuff they're coming away with, and they're old school bodybuilder guys. And like, I think we, I think we start this conversation by saying the stuff that's always been done in the gym, most of it, you know, it definitely has its place. Like, we're not here to say don't bench, don't squat, don't deadlift. In fact, I'm doing two out of three of those things in my training program at the minute. You know, I, I fucking love a deadlift. Um, I'm not a big fan of bench. I don't really care for bench that much, but I put it in for the time being just because I've never really gave it a. I run for for a long time. Um, squats, I'm, I'm the same. I could take them or leave them, to be honest. Um, where do you stand on those exercises, James, before we go any further? Uh, again, they're all tools, aren't they, to use? So it sort of depends on the person, what the goal, all that sort of Yeah, I, I just mean personally, though. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, what I do, I did. Um, I couldn't deadlift this. Well, I can't really deadlift from the floor, so I've got to do it off like a rack. So it's always the bottom one on the rack. Um, Why can't you deadlift off four, James? Just another structure in my hips, so I literally exceed my hip range, so I can't get to the floor without my pelvis rounded underneath and my lower back rounding as well. So yeah, that's another thing you need to look out for when you do deadlift, or that's another thing saying, oh, you should pull from the floor, you should do this. I mean, there's only one um, thing where you should be doing that, and that's like any like external performance-based sport, like powerlifting, where it's a rule, you're going to have to pull from the floor. Uh, but if you're looking to gain muscle, get stronger, get healthier, sort of stuff like that, then you definitely need to listen or go off your own, like, uh, your joints and your structure. It's, it's risk versus reward, isn't it? And, like, um, you know, if, if pulling from the floor or something like that, or, like, you see a lot of people do deficit deadlifts and things like that for, for gaining muscle as well, it's, like, probably, again, risk versus reward is probably not going to be worth it unless you've got that range. But it's not just about range, of course, as well, because, like, you could have you know, maybe not the best hip range in the world, but you can have long arms. And then pull from the floor, it becomes pretty easy as well, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, how long are your hands, fingers, all that sort of stuff? So yeah, yeah, long fingers. <laughs> could be. Could be. Um, <laughs> can't deadlift, but I've got short fingers. But, um, but yeah, you've done some deadlifts off the rack today, i seen, yeah. So yeah, so I did those. Um, as for benching, I've not done that in the programme for a while, just because for me, it doesn't really get much, I don't really get much out of it. I'd rather do something a little bit more, um stable the only thing that i would i would do instead would be like a dumbbell bench press because I, I get a little bit more out of that just because you're not as fixed in with a bar um yeah. some people's shoulder structure is like bench press probably going to be a bit shit because it is pretty fixed yeah exactly i can't be in that much of an abducted position because yeah. I'm, I'm out there when i'm pressing it's just going to be so limited so i need to bring it in a tad yeah yeah, I'm, I'm not bad to, on, on the bench press, to be honest. I didn't really, I've never had any problems with it, but I prefer doing dumbbell press, and I've not really got any reason for it, apart from the fact that I literally prefer it. I prefer well, it's, it's, it's easier to literally throw the dumbbells, isn't it, when you're done with it? Because with a bar, you're just going to clothesline yourself if you can't get Yeah, there's that, of course, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just, I don't know, just some exercises that I like. And I, 
I, I like that. But I've thrown bench press in because, like, just not done it in a while. I'm like, fuck it, let's see what I can get on it. I do like that whole thing of like, I do like chasing numbers to some degree. There is a bit of that in me. Um, but yeah, I I done it yesterday, and like, I'm only seventy one kilos at the minute. I've done a hundred for eight, so I was quite happy with that. But um, yeah, definitely done more in the past. I've done like a one three five single before, so I've got should have more in the tank as I as I progress this and get some more food in me. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so where are we going with that? Yeah, so we're not um, we're not slagging these exercises by any means. Like they're all tools. There's always going to be times when we're going to use these exercises. Um, but these guys that I was listening to were slagging exercises. Like they weren't seeing other exercises as tools. And basically, I, I, you know, I should have listened to it again today to kind of remind myself. But like there, there is a lot of people that see things in the gym and they're you know now kind of slagging people for doing them. And it's like one of those things. It's like you know, do what works for you, essentially. I, I wouldn't say, like, if I if I seen someone doing an exercise that I personally don't like, unless it was, like, totally stupid or going to injure them, like, mm. you know, that's on them. You can kind of do what you want there. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to, like, you know, things like, we're talking about things like cuffed lateral raises. We're talking about things like, I suppose, like D-handle pull-downs, things like that. And people come out with, like, some absurd, I can't even say it, absurd things like, you know, D-handles don't build muscle. And whether they're saying it, some people might be saying it, like, you know, for a laugh. Like, I actually put on my story one day for a laugh. Um, but then other people, you know, are dead as serious. They're like, oh, I wouldn't use a D-handle or I wouldn't use cables. But then the next thing you see them jump on a lap pull-down, and I'm like, pretty sure that's cable. Yeah, that's it. Why buy a lap pull-down? always go to, yeah, but Anna did it, so it must work. Um, no, but I mean, the amount of posts that I see from like the old school bodybuilders, you know, taking a piss out of using cables and cuffs. But I've, I've got to admit, though, that um, that Av Bales one that was that was funny when he was on the Hoover. I, I like that. <laughs> Why was that? Which one's that? You know, see that he was doing like a he was doing like a D handle kind of pull down thing, sitting on a Henry Hoover. And to oh, be really? fair, he absolutely nailed it. How cool! <laughs> I, I didn't see it. <laughs> but yeah to, to be fair like there's one thing having a laugh like that's absolutely fine but it's like uh yeah to to completely you know say something as broad as like you know d handles don't build muscle or you know cables don't build muscle at the end of the day this stuff is all just like forces applied to anatomy and that is that's how you gain muscle um, the, they just don't understand when they're saying these things they've got no understanding of mechanics or anything like that and when they're like really good bodybuilders as well like, it's crazy how like how many good bodybuilders there are out there who do not have a good understanding of, of, of this stuff as well as PTs. There's a lot of PTs out there who do not have a clue about physics, What's pretty clear that you see that on social media. From what Again, people. to be the middle of the road guy here and like kind of like stand up for, you know, some of these people to some degree, if I was the size of someone like that, you know, a lot of these guys that are saying it and everything you've done so far to work for you, you can see why they would not want to look for something. You know, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah. It's more when it comes to the guys that that doesn't work for and hasn't worked for and something like a deadlift or a squat or something like that, it's, it's just caused them nothing but injuries. And that's when you need to start looking at this kind of stuff. And then as coaches, that's why we look into this kind of stuff. It's not because we're trying to reinvent a wheel. It's not because we're trying to do something new or different or, you know, crazy to, you know, stand out. It's because we do have clients where, you know, it's not an option to deadlift from the floor. Or it's not an option to bench press or something like that so that's why from our, our perspective we kind of look into this kind of thing and then some of these things generally are pretty good like a cuffed lateral raise i'll be i'll hold my hands up i i was the like most kind of i don't want to say i was an old school bodybuilder by any means but i had that kind of mindset for a long time and like i seen people doing cuffed laterals online and i was like Fuck that that's gay i'm not doing that and then i don't know 
over over the years things changed a little bit. I I was like brought into the world of mechanics. I learned about this stuff, and I tried it and I used it, and I was like, this is fucking unreal. I've never felt my like side delts actually start burning up like this before in my life and um ever since you know that's been one of my favorite like kind of delt exercises actually it's like um a lateral a cable lateral raise lateral raise jesus christ yeah, that was a, from, yeah. that was one of the things in the podcast that we were slagging off with it saying oh why don't you just grab some dumbbells and it's like no you don't have a clue about resistance profiles or anything like that and also joint forces so let's why don't we just break down the difference between a dumbbell lateral raise and a cable lateral raise just to say what is the difference and we're not just fucking pussying around using a cable or cuffs. Yeah, so is that, what, what is the point? Why, why are we actually doing it? And not just because we're doing fancy bullshit that you might see on social media. Yeah, so again, I'll start by saying they both have their place. Um, again, I use, I use both of them um, when I train. But um, basically, the, the dumbbell um, lateral raise it's for guys who want to build muscle and the cable lateral raises for people who don't want to build muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you take this one, James. I know no, just dying. so you know that he was not being serious. <laughs> um, cool. So when if you're looking, when you're doing a dumbbell lateral, let's start off with that because it's pretty evident how it, how it feels. So if you're, when you're lifting that dumbbell up, it's going to get harder and harder and harder. So it's always harder at the top there when you get to around about like 90 degrees-ish, not saying we could go to that range or whatever feels good at the top. Um, so when we get to the top there, it's always going to be like the hardest ever with dumbbell. But with a cable, it's quite the opposite. So as we're lifting up, that cable, it gets closer to your shoulder. The southern line of the cable gets closer to your shoulder. That meaning that the weight, well, not necessarily the weight on the stack, the actual load that we're lifting, the, the torque, um, trying to put it a bit more easier across. Um, well, I think the simple way to explain that is, um, we're, we're if we're dealing with five kilos in a dumbbell, we're not just dealing with five kilos. We're dealing with when, when that dumbbell's out of the side. So when you're at the top of your side raise of the dumbbell, you're dealing at five kilos times that distance between your shoulder, like the joint axis, and the dumbbell. Let's so, call it the le- let's call it the leverage. I didn't want to use the word yeah, leverage. Now, That's we'll exactly it, what it is. We'll, we'll call it the leverage that we've got. So, and the easy way to explain that would be the five kilo dumbbell when it's at the top of like your dumbbell lateral raise is like sitting at the end of the seesaw when you've got the most leverage that seesaw is likely to move. Whereas when it's at the bottom, it's like closer to the, the fulcrum of the, the seesaw. So the middle of the seesaw where it wouldn't have as much leverage to move the seesaw. So hopefully that makes some sort of sense. So if, if we're doing a lateral raise with a cable and that cable is getting closer to our shoulder joint, that means the weight from the cable is going to drop off. So it's going to be a lot lighter. And that matches something called a strength profile. So our strength profile, for that being a single joint, is we're always going to be the strongest at the bottom of that. But as we're lifting up, we're going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. So we want that cable to get close to our shoulder and drop off. But the dumbbell does the opposite thing so it does the opposite way to how we produce force and we sort of want to like marry them two up not saying that we should do this all the time and then dumbbell laterals are a bad exercise but they each have the place and where you can put them in a workout and so on something you said earlier as well like you said like the cable one should get easier as you go through it like so the resistance drops off I would argue it doesn't get easier as it goes through it though because like what you actually experience as an end user is like kind of challenge throughout the full range so it's not that it and essentially gets easier at the top. I it's mean, just, the, the, the last rep, I say, when you're doing the one on the cable, 
the last rep you're going to get that pretty much the, the full range potentially you know all the way through it's just going to be really slow but with a dumbbell you're going to struggle to get that to the top short so you will you'll get with a cable you should get it all the way through to the, and that complete that last rep but yeah. with a dumbbell you'll start got start going to partials because you will not be able to get to that range at the top when you start fatiguing yeah, so you can get more of what's called a full range challenge. And we should probably bump in here somewhere and reference RTS and Tom Purvis because otherwise we might get sued. So <laughs> we should probably reference him because, like again, that's where we've learned a lot of this stuff through um, Integra. Michael Gilden at Integra, he was on the podcast. Go back and check that one out. It's well worth listening to. Um, and then obviously he's part of RTS and things like that as well. So that's our referencing done um, unless something else comes up. But, um, <laughs> Now, lateral raise is the easiest way to, to figure this stuff out. And when I'm like, sometimes I will explain this to clients because it's it becomes like once once your eyes have been opened to it, they, they start seeing it in all different places. And like the dumbbell lateral raise is a really easy way to see this. Um, and going back to that thing I was saying, like the weight you're dealing with um, is not just the, the dumbbell, it's the dumbbell in that distance. Like um, that thing that um, Paul and um, James used when we went to that PT project um, course, they basically got a, a broomstick and put a two and a half kilo dumbbell on the end of the broomstick and said, can anyone here lateral raise a two and a half kilo dumbbell and then got them to do it with that broomstick there. So they increased the distance, which then, of course, increased the, the torque demand on the joint. So basically made it harder, made it harder for us um, because of that increased distance. So, again, it's just it's, it's leverage, like you say, it's like using a crowbar, for example, you wouldn't go you know, to the, the closest bit of the crowbar, you'd use the furthest away bit so you've increased your leverage. It's like a door handle. Like if you're watching this on YouTube, that door handle is further away from the hinges because it's got more leverage. If it was in the middle of the door, it would be harder to open the door. I, I'd imagine I'd still be able to do it, but <laughs> it'd be harder to open it. That's exactly that. <laughs> or the, the, the door handle wouldn't be on the, like the hinge or the side where the door where the hinge is. So yeah, that's yeah. what it comes down to, like how much leverage have we got? And then... There's a few more things that make make it up, but at the essence, that's pretty much it. It's too too much for a podcast to, to go into great detail on this stuff. But at the same time, like it's just a glimpse into the why behind the dumbbell lateral raise and things like that. And um, what do you think of the perspective that a lot of people would say that you know bench squat deadlift these things heavy compounds build dense kind of thick muscle? What would you say to that? Um, it's just again, it's just forces applied to anatomy at the end of the day, isn't it? The bust, um, that's exactly what I would say as well. But something I would argue with a little bit on it, and something I would kind of say a little bit is like you take a deadlift, for instance, we've got a lot of stuff in a fairly lengthened range where we're experiencing most of that resistance. We're at the bottom of the deadlift, and you know, our our glutes are in a fairly lengthened range, and we're probably going to experience well, mostly glutes really that are going to be in a lengthened range quads as well, obviously, to some degree, anyway. Um, And you know, you know yourself, we can experience more muscle growth in these lengthened ranges, so there might be something in that, essentially, something in that, and then. Obviously, it's more demanding, like neuromuscular, and to recover from anything like that with how much load you're actually lifting. So it's quite taxing on your nervous system as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's not to knock things like that by any means, but it's more to you know give an insight to why you would maybe use all of these kind of things. Like everything, as we say, is just a tool, and to discount tools, it's like you put up a post one time. You're like um, something like you said, like a joiner wouldn't like say that a hammer is the best tool and then not yeah, use any other tool. Exactly, yeah. Imagine like using a hammer to screw things in with. That'd be ridiculous. That's You can sort of apply that sort of thought to the things in the gym, like dumbbells, cables, machines. Yeah, yeah. They're all they're and, all just tools, aren't they? Do you know what I see all the time is, what's better, free weights and machines? 
<laughs> well, free weights build more muscle, obviously. <laughs> He's got to look at like the difference between them, what like a machine gives us that a free weight doesn't, and then what a free weight gives us what a machine doesn't. So again, who's a person? What's a goal? That's what it all comes down to. Um, machines, the more mainly more the guided, the more restrained. Um, you can lift a lot more weight on them just because you're more you're in fixed. There's a fixed path of motion that is, is going through. Um, so you can definitely overload more on those where it's not challenging stability as much. You like um, again to quote Tom Purvis, he said you wouldn't shoot a cannon out of a canoe. That's the way to think about it. Like you, you're not going to get maximum force production when you're standing on a bozo dot. That's it. I mean, and when you think about it as well, we want to do maximum force production. We we want that for growing muscle. Like, this is what we again. That's what our goal is with bodybuilders. So yeah. we want we want maximum force production for a set amount of reps that we're training for. So we want to increase stability as much as we can, and then potentially when we're using other exercises like a dumbbell chest press that can transfer over to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Another thing these guys said as well, and that I was listening to, were they were on about like it being lazy to use a D handle rather than like no, sorry, being people being too lazy to use a D handle, so they use a cuff. Like, so in what situations would you use a cuff, James? So, um, the couple of situations is if you broke your hand or wrist or something like that, and you literally can't hold the fucking uh, cable. So I'm not I'm not lying. Like one of my clients, she can't do uh, she can't hold cables or dumbbells or anything like that. So we've got to use a cuff for pretty much everything. So we've got to work it around that. But the main I've had, I have a client that has arthritis in her hands as well, and same thing. Like we do definitely we do use handles and things like that too. But once it starts to fatigue, it's like right, okay, we're going to need to start using some sort of like cuff here. Yeah, I mean, but as for a bodybuilding like perspective, it all comes back to like joint forces because the closer you have that cuff or whatever you're applying, whatever you're lifting, you close to, you have that towards your working joint. There's going to be less joint forces. So if someone's got a, a shoulder issue and you want to train the muscles around the shoulder, then to reduce the joint forces and move that a little bit closer to the shoulder. And in terms of you could load it up even more because where you've got, where you're applying that force, say if you went to the wrist, put the cuff at the wrist, and then you moved it up to the shoulder, you, uh, you moved it up to the elbow, sorry, you'd be able to move more weight with that cuff around your elbow than you would do at your wrist just because there's less distance. Yeah, yeah. So we've we've kind of reduced the leverage of the weight that we're fighting against, if that makes sense. So the weight um which in a sense though, would that not mean we're experiencing less load overall? Uh, potentially that's why you can load it up even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a sense, like I suppose like some of these old go- uh, old school guys are right, like that would make it easier, but then you would kind of use more load to kind of, you know, what would you call it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? To overcome that, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the day, the muscle doesn't know what load's on the machine. The muscle doesn't care what load's on the machine. As long as, like, it's experiencing the tension it needs to grow, that's that's going to be the main thing. Which, that brings me nicely on to another thing that um, people seem to hate is, like, reverse banding and things like that, because they say that that's just to make it easier. And we actually covered this a little bit in the last podcast, so we, we don't need to talk too much about this. Um, you can always go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. But, again, there definitely, I think something I haven't said in this one is... There's definitely people that do get into like biomechanics or people that maybe even don't even get into it. Maybe they just see it on Instagram and they do go too far one way. There is people that go extremes either way. There's guys that will like, you know, not use anything but dumbbells and barbells. And there's guys that will 
not use anything but cables and you know cuffs and things like that so there are definitely extremes and there are those people out there that will be like yeah i'm gonna reverse band the leg press so i can get more fucking weight on this and if yeah. if you've got any common sense like that's not the reason you're doing it for um but there will definitely be people out there doing that 100 percent. i can guarantee you you see some crazy things in the gym and that's got to be one of them <laughs> i know fucking oh slamming a shitload of bands on a hack squat so it's a band the hack squat i say if you reverse banding it obviously like the heavier you go the more bands you're going to need to get the effect like you want for the band uh, but you see people literally use about five bands on it and it's just like a bungee at the bottom and it's kicking in too early yeah, literally, it, literally, it's, it's already like uh, there's already tension on the, the actual machine on the carriage before we even set off, and <laughs> just yeah. a waste of time almost. Yeah, literally, there's literally nothing. There's literally nothing at the bottom. They've got templates on the hack squat, and I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> to back that up a little bit, just to say, like, with with the hack squat, our quads, our glutes, and whatever we're experiencing there, they're going to be weaker at the bottom of the rep. So, and the hack squat weight remains the same. It doesn't really change throughout the range. So that's why you would like reverse band it at the bottom, but you wouldn't really want any band tension at the top because our muscles are, are stronger at the top portion, you know, in that range. So having the band kicking in at the top is going to make absolutely no sense whatsoever. You're just, you are just making it easier for the full range at that point. That's it. Yeah, definitely. So that's how we, so we can just say we're weaker at the bottom when we do the hack squat and then we're stronger at the top. So we want to, experience more load at the top and less load at the bottom and that's what you can do with reverse band it it's not to say you have to band or cuff every exercise that's like that because like a dumbbell lateral raise for example go back to that like you don't need to use a cuff to achieve a full range challenge something i sometimes do with clients is i'll get them to start with a lighter weight and one where they can get up into the kind of shortened range and use that for a dumbbell lateral raise and then jump onto a heavier weight after that where we work maybe through the mid-range or the shortened range or also you can adjust your body position for things like that too that's maybe a little bit harder to explain on a podcast yeah that's it no no, that's a cool that's a great idea um yeah yeah just body position that's pretty much like lying on the side on the bench isn't it and then obviously when you're lifting up that dumbbell's gonna get close to your shoulder like that cable would do yeah, I actually posted something on Instagram way back. Um, it was like a, a triple, uh, like a drop set sort of thing, where a mechanical drop set is what you'd call it, where I've done a normal dumbbell lateral raise. I've done it on the 45-degree bench lying on my side, and then I've done it lying on the floor just to kind of work through all the ranges. And it was pretty cool, to be fair. But you look a bit weird lying on the floor in the gym. I'm not going to lie, but I'm oh, definitely... Yeah. I'm definitely past looking weird in the gym. I don't care. <laughs> but I, I realise a lot of people do, but I definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've stood in that gym that I train in and my nothing but my underwear many many times so I'm not one bit fussed about uh, lying on the floor doing the dumbbell lateral race because that, that's normal in, in, in a gym like that bodybuilding gym yeah. that's just normal there's there's just like a spot in the body academy that everyone that like you know competes or something like that knows to stand in and gets their pictures taken people just accept it <laughs> yeah it's good it's good it's good to have like that sort of like like you're kind of the same down there at Metcon, it's like surrounded by people who are on the same kind of track as you're doing the same sort of thing, like bodybuilding and things like that. And I can't imagine, like I always think about, um, a lot of people probably know who like uh, Keefe is and, you know, Chris McCready. And I remember when he first started training down in Stranraer or wherever it was he was from. Um, and I used to see his videos of him like training in like the local leisure centre. And I used to think, fuck me, man, that must be like, you know, when you're the only guy down there that's into bodybuilding, it, it must be tough some days. I know I've certainly went into the body academy some days when I'm not feeling it. And there's been other people that are training hard and it's like, right, that just gives you the boost you need. But sometimes like when it's just yourself, like I've trained in like a small gym in the town I live in and uh, it depressed me. 
<laughs> it's it's that, the environment that makes it a lot, doesn't it? Like it said. definitely does. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of whether they think um, cuffed exercises or shit or not, as long as uh, as long as like people are kind of you know training hard, it gives you a good kind of vibe, doesn't it? Definitely. I think a big thing on the the topic we're on, you know, squats, bench, deadlift. A lot of guys that are into bodybuilding and things like that, they tend to go pretty hard in these exercises, and you'll see their top sets and that, and you know they're they're going to failure and things like that. I think a big thing people don't realize as well is like the same intensity can be carried over on other things as well. Like if, if you're, you know, if you're squatting, bench and deadlifting, or if you're doing a cuffed lateral raise or fucking cuffed, whatever, um, if you're not doing that with intensity, like any of those exercises with intensity, then it's pointless. Intensity is kind of king, isn't it? That's it. Definitely. I mean, it's like, but then you can look at like how they perform in the exercise. What's the form like? Because if they're performing, the exercise with intensity and the forms all over the show, then we're not going to get what we want out of the exercise and potentially lead to injury and all that sort of stuff. So if they're doing, say if they're doing a barbell bench and they're bouncing that bar off the chest and they're not controlling that load, then we're not going to get to where we're going to get to with it and probably fuck your shoulders up in the long run. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's training right for your structure as well. It's like this whole thing of like, there, there are no rules for exercise. There is no you know, bench press, you know, um, I don't know what you would say, but for example, there's not like five steps for doing your bench press. It's like, how does James do his bench press? Like, what's exactly. it? Mean? Exactly. It's like, a, I think on that podcast as well, that you sent me over the other day, those guys saying, oh, well, you should lift up your dumbbell to like be in parallel, you know, when you're doing a lateral raise. The hand like, should be above the elbow or something like that. Ridiculous. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. That's another well, lateral raises with external rotation. <laughs> My raise though. Oh, these names are stupid though. Fucking um, <laughs> names are stupid, but they're essential as well because they like, are essential for people to have an idea what they are. But yeah, on- need- online coaching would be pretty hard with no names to exercises. Oh, definitely. Oh, you could just name it <laughs> motions and positions. <laughs> It'd be a long process, wouldn't it? Oh, well, that would be fucking hard work. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that's another example of saying rules for exercise that it's just ridiculous because though people don't fit into those rules and we need to fit into the rules of people's structure. Yeah, yeah. If you find someone that says, you know, squat is the best exercise, chances are there's someone who really like sits nicely, folds up nicely into a squat. Yeah, and I definitely won't be saying that because <laughs> I've got really bad tendonitis in my knees and I've got a play around with loads of stuff in the gym to make it feel good so what do you do to make your knees feel good um obviously reverse band hack squat so i can't do a back squat because it absolutely kills my knees even though there's less force going through potentially less force going through my knees um it's just the position that they get into so hack squat is a lot better than actual back squat for me um and yeah and then i've got to look at like the exercise order so what i do is I'd start with like a leg curl, um, go into a squat press. So where obviously I'm, I'm loading my knees, um, but obviously the glutes, so it's like a 50-50 the way I'm performing it. So um, I was wondering about that squat press because there is quite an angled plate on it. And yeah. like, I feel like there's a lot of friction. And as particularly as I press up, I feel like my quads are on fire at that last little bit. Yeah. And, but then when you look at like kind of line of force and things like that, you're like, right, this should probably be a kind of hip dominant press. But yeah, it's yeah. like because of that, it's like 50 50. That's how I worked it out just because of the way you're pushing on the foot plate. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely for the foot plate thing on that. So I, I put that in uh, before the hack squat, then move on to the hack squat, 
do a higher rep set and the hack squat and then do a lower rep set. So I'll be doing the higher rep set first, get a feel for the movement. Um, and then when I'm fatigued, I can load it up a little bit more and it won't be fucking my knees up as much. I think, um, like, you know, for me, um, like I, I love to deadlift and I, I, I'm saying I'm quite good at it for like the body weight that I'm at, not to blow my own trumpet, like, but I say I'm quite good at it. But uh, I, I put to last in my program because I'm thinking I get like this upper back kind of niggle and it comes on after deadlifting. I don't think deadlifts are that cause of it, but it comes on after deadlifting. Um, in fact, I know deadlifting isn't as sitting hunched right now, spending a lot of time in that position probably doesn't help anyway. Um, but like, when I go like quite heavy and I do like maybe like a two kind of free rep set, which I tend to find myself doing on deadlifts a lot just because I like doing that. Um, I, I think it gets worse. So I've tried putting deadlifts to the end of the session. So it's like, right, that's going to cut out me doing anything stupid really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just one of those things I get tempted by <laughs> to be honest. But um, yeah, something like that can help. Um, in terms of warm ups, James, what do you do warm up wise? Um, it depends on exercise. So in general, it's like pyramiding it up. So what I'd do is uh, say we're jumping on like a chest press or even like a hacks, what we were just talking about. So I'd do probably like four or five warm-ups. So I jump on the machine, probably nothing on it, um, do like 10 reps and then gradually like pull that down. So as the load goes up, what I'm putting on bit by bit, the reps are going down. Obviously, I'm getting nowhere near failure just because you don't want to be. You don't want those um, warm up sets going near failure because it's going to take so much away from that those working sets. So I sort of like pyramid it um, uh, up to that working set. So I'll be like, so what I'm working on like six plates on a hack squat. So I go like nothing, then I throw on like one or two, get six or seven reps out, and then go down to like three or four with three on. Then literally one or two reps with um, four on one rep of five on and then start working on the six just so it's not going to impact those working sets. Yeah. And then obviously, like, say you've done that on the hack squat, for example, and then you go into a leg press, you probably find you wouldn't need as much warm-up after that because mm. everything's kind of already primed yeah. to some degree. But um, that's exactly what I do as well. I kind of pyramid up. And the way that I explain it to clients a lot of the time is, like, those first couple of sets with low weight, are kind of about you know getting everything moving, get the joints moving, getting you know some um you know fluid moving about and things like that. And then from there, it's kind of once everything's warm, it's like a case of toning up the nervous system, isn't it? Because like, I'm sure we've all seen those guys that go into the gym and it's like right, they can press 45 kilo dumbbells. So the first thing they do is pick up the 45 kilo dumbbells, no warm up, straight in, absolutely smash the shit out of them. And I can't imagine how their joints are feeling at that point because I know mine would feel pretty fucking terrible. Um, But yeah, like that's exactly how I would warm up. But what I was more getting at actually was like, in terms of warm-ups, are you over there rolling about in a, <laughs> rolling about in a foam roller? Are you stretching? What are you doing? Um, No, so, <laughs> you know my opinion about this. You, you don't want to fuck around for about 30 minutes before you actually train. Just the best way of warming up to do what you want to do is do what you, you want to do. Literally, you literally go through, take your joints through all the ranges that you want to use and gradually build it up and build up that motor unit recruitment sort of thing. But you can do that by these feeder sets, the warm up sets. So do what you yeah. want to do, get in the gym rather than spending fucking about fucking 30 minutes to an hour rolling around on the foam roller, doing some fucking bullshit stretches. It's just, yeah. And also with that, so foam rolling. Um, stretching can reduce force output so potentially we do not want to do that 
uh, prior to lifting. Yeah, especially if you want to lift weight. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, um, it's all about potentiating what we want to do, and that being when it's literally those warm up sets of feeder sets. That's that's it. You see a lot of guys do that, though, don't you? Like just like waste a lot of time just fucking out, put, putting a band onto something and just doing all this shit. And yeah, I, I mean, there might be a time and a place for that if we want to load up that specific muscle or whatever. Or... But, but would there? Because, like, why do, like, 200-pound bodybuilders or 250-pound bodybuilders think that a band and some external rotation is going to be enough for them? That's it, exactly, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it just doesn't really make sense. It's different if you're, like, a, an old person that's never lifted a weight in their life and they are weak, then, yeah, maybe a band's going to be... Yeah, yeah. Like, again, it goes down to the person, doesn't it? I mean, as well as... Maybe on some of my sessions and some of the stuff, I do like a really low-level isometric just to get everything contracting around the joint. But again, yeah. that's sort of mimicking what we're going to go through. But it's an isometric and it's going to get things contracting. Um, but yeah, I think those low-level isometrics, that that's anything towards that side of thing, that's that's what I go for. Nothing doing ridiculous stuff. Not wasting uh, 40 minutes on your warm-up. Yeah, don't the, the fucking hell. You're gonna be in the gym for like two and a half, three hours doing that, aren't you? Yeah, I, I don't have enough time in my day for that shit. Like, no, <laughs> absolute madness. No, I have the patience either. No, I just get fucking bored doing it, and I could not be consistently do that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that. It's not um not exactly not exactly my idea of fun and pretty ineffective. But you know to counteract that. Like I think we've said it before on here. It's like if it makes you feel better, then that's great. Go for it. Exactly, it's preference at the end of the day. If you do like yeah. doing stuff like that and it's not going to cause any issues, then yeah, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Different if it's causing an issue, but no one ever died from rolling themselves. So yeah, best of luck to you. Just uh, yeah, you could probably save yourself some time. <laughs> but yeah, we kind of kind of went a little bit off topic there. But at the same time, it's it's one of those things. One thing, <laughs> one thing people do hate in the gym at the minute is um. The, the pull downs, don't they? They hit the pull down variations. The pull, what kind of variation? The chest supported one with the the oh, the, arm the, in front of the body. The um, what the this is a handle pull down or yeah, just like an angle a D handle kind of pull down, just like you know bench set up, D handle pull down. Oh, yeah. seem to hate that, and that's what kind of a couple of those videos were about that you're on about. And again, like those videos are funny, like. Fair enough. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about this kind of thing, like yeah, at least have a laugh with it. That is probably a good way to to put your point across. But um again, let's let's break that down. Like why why are people doing that exercise over a traditional lat pull down with a wide grip bar? So the way it lines up, if we're doing a wide grip pull down with one of those bars, then our, our lats aren't going to be as leveraged. So we want to, so if, if as we, we're pulling down, the lats going to be really short. So it's not going to have as much leverage as they would do if we're elbows are in and we're pulling parallel. So it's a parallel path that we're following. So we're going to, and it's just going to line up a lot better if we're going to pull down and in. I'm trying to find a really easy way of uh, describing this and putting it across. No, I think I think you're putting it across pretty pretty well. There's only so well you can describe something like this on a podcast, to be fair. But yeah, I think we've both probably posted on Instagram about this before, to be fair. I, I definitely have anyway. But yeah, um, it's like I just said, then you're gonna lose the lat's gonna lose its leverage when your elbows are abducted or flared out, as you want to say, or the wider you are there. But when your elbows in, you're pulling down there, then you, your lat's gonna be a bit more biased to do its job. 
they also lose leverage at like 180 degree of shoulder flexion. So when your arm's like directly above your head, they lose um, leverage there. So hence the reason a lot of people are starting at like maybe like what would you call it, like 160, you know, that kind of... Yeah, it, it depends what you stuff. can go for. I mean, like you want, you want to get like somewhat with rotation and that scapula to a certain degree. So I know there, but as soon as you start going to like there, then it's going to become a pec pull down. Yeah, you basically you basically want to kind of reach forward and up and find that point where like you kind of stop naturally and like for me that's there. So that's gonna be like the length and lap for me, really. And then yeah, you found your position there. Um so yeah, that's a big one. And what about um you know while we're on this, this is like kind of going off on the tangent again, but like um shoulder blade movement when you're doing a lap pull down. Yeah, it's a good one, really good one. Um let's not lock the shoulder blades down. And where does this come from? I keep seeing it all the time. It's like, oh yeah, keep your shoulder blades locked down. But it's like it's just ridiculous. So to, to think to get your hand above your head, your shoulder blade has to move because you're only gonna get about so in shoulder flexion. So when you're bringing up your arm in front of it, you're only gonna get about roughly 60 degrees of shoulder flexion on its on its own, just from your your arm. Um, with the side, I think it's with the well, I've built it in a way, so you're gonna get gonna get 30. But with that, to get it higher up, there's a thing called scapular humeral rhythm. Yeah, it's right. fancy, it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a fancy name. Um, so this is where the scapula is working literally in concert with your upper arms or your humerus to get your arm above your head. So as it rotates upwards, it's creating a shelf for that head of your humerus to sit in. So it's like fit in there so we're a bit more structurally sound so that's got to raise up for you to get into that position and so think about locking that scapula down with the shoulder blade down when we're doing a pull down it's just ridiculous and it's got it's got to cause some sort of issue if you're thinking about locking it down and you're going up like eccentrically you're loading the muscles around the shoulder blade um as we're going up into flexion so it's got to cause like some sort of issue with the joint yeah, I would, um, you know, the, the really easy way to explain this is if, if you've got, like, the body awareness to do it, like, hold your shoulder blades down, hold your shoulder blades back, and try and raise your arms. Like, really hold them down, because that is as far as I can get by doing that. That's as far as my arms are even going to raise there. So, yeah, that kind of that kind of squashes that, to be honest. But um, I, one thing, though, that does get me to some degree is, like, you know when you come down and your traps are kind of rock solid at the bottom? That surely can't be a great thing like sure they're going to have to be working they're going to be some sort of um joint manager there would you hmm. say uh yeah because it's opposing it's opposing a lot yeah yeah yeah, yeah so my, my concern with them being kind of rock solid there is like they are opposing the lat they're pulling up the lat's pulling down yeah that's so it. do we want them relaxed at the bottom do you think would you say that um everything's got to do its job on it so if they're contracting the contracting for a reason mm. yeah Something I see a lot. I see some super, like, kind of hunched up tight. Yeah, I see that. I think that's when people sort of exceed that range and they're trying to get it really short or they start fatiguing and they end up being like this at the bottom. So especially the first couple of reps are sound and then as soon as they start fatiguing, they go into that thoracic flexion and then the, uh, the, the traps come up and they're coming over. I think they're just getting into that range just to get it short. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, like, you know, when you're letting your shoulder blades move and you're kind of letting them move freely there, it's like some people go up and like they kind of elevate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Don't come back down <laughs> as a, as they pull their arm down. Oh, I know. What you mean, so yeah, they, yeah, yeah. There's no like kind of depression there, if you know what I mean. So it's almost as if like okay, so they're moving, they're kind of coming up and round, but they've also kind of got to come back and down, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, like this is one of the things as well. Once like especially once you get more into mechanics, it's like 
I'm kind of thinking about this right now. I'm not giving any like saying this is the way it should be done. I'm just thinking, you know, what what the fuck's happening there? Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting to investigate these things again. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah. then it varies from person to person as well. It does, it does. And then what is getting that person? You know, what's going on internally? What are they? What are they feeling? Are they feeling they're at working, or are they just feeling like they're up a trap? So kind of hunched up. Mm. I reckon, but I think to to bring that back around, I think that's why a lot of people lock the shoulders down is to try and maybe like kind of limit that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, locking the shoulders down and all that pulled down um, doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Whether you're doing it with that wide grip bar or whether yeah, you're or anything, anything overhead, see, even like overhead pressing, you don't want to lock your shoulders down doing that. So they've got to move. So yeah, yeah, scapular humeral rhythm. That's a mouthful. Um, uh, yeah, with that, I reckon we should leave it there because we have gone on for mechanics that long enough. Um, we've been doing it, we've been on here for about 45 minutes, and I think that's yeah. probably long enough to talk about stuff like that for, especially for a podcast. That's probably, yeah, probably enough for today. I totally agree. I was, it's just as I was waiting to go off on another tangent, I would definitely agree to wrap <laughs> we'll that save up. It. We'll save it for the next one. But um, yeah, so guys, um, we thought we would mention on this one as well. We've had a lot of listeners um, in America and Australia and things like that. And like James and myself were kind of talking about, like, we definitely don't have you guys on Instagram. Um, so definitely check us out on Instagram. If you found us through like any podcast platforms or anything like that, if you're not already following us, my uh, username on Instagram, it's CM underscore Physique Factory. And James's, it's funny enough, JT underscore Physique Factory. So we should be easy enough to find. And guys, if you can um, like, and obviously um, rate the podcast I think that's what it is um, rate the podcast on Spotify iTunes whatever and share it to your Instagram stories guys that would be really really helpful so um, thanks in advance for doing that okay there we go cool nice one guys thank you for listening <laughs>